0: pride nation
1: 101 you have just stumbled onto pride nation 101 queer music stories opinions and lives from mendocino county and beyond i'm roman Corney medina and i'm chad swimmer welcome
0: On this, our debut episode, you're going to hear from Roland and myself about what it means to be two different flavors of queer in Mendocino County. Roland was born and raised in Fort Bragg, and he will take you on a journey through the Fort Bragg School District as a transgender young man. And I have been living here since 1986, when AIDS was ravaging San Francisco, and I was terrified to get my first HIV test. Then we are going to talk to Jennifer Sukney, who is... A longtime Mendocino resident. She has been on the board of the Mendocino Pride Alliance. She was on the National Board of Marriage Equality USA for three years. A person with some profound insights into what it means to be an LGBTQIA person living in a place like Mendocino County and dear to my heart she is an ethnomusicologist. <laughs>
1: Hello, my name is Roland Coy Medina. I'm here with... Chad
0: Swimmer. This is Pride Nation 101, and we are here to talk to you about what life is like for queer people of all stripes in Mendocino County and beyond. Mm, One of my favorite subjects. Me too. Seems like we spend a lot of time talking about this these days. However, to keep things interesting, we are going to listen to music throughout because music is what tells the story of our lives. Before we get into the rest of the show, I would like to play a short and beautiful piece that was recorded in the Trinidad Post Office, written and performed by a group of queer and environmental activists who are occupying a tree sit in so-called Humboldt County. This is called Dozers Come, written and performed by Nadir and Friends.
2: When the dozers come after agencies Contractors aside, when the company moves in, then we go to the front lines when the dozers come. For the letters have been read, but the agencies ignore the certifiers are green wash just an excuse to clear cut more when the dozers come. We haven't many pennies, but we've had to our chests. And if you want to cut this forest down, will be cutting us as well when the dozers come.
0: But back to us, your hosts, Chad Swimmer and Roland Corey Medina. Roland, what would you like to talk about?
1: Well, I would like to, for starters, talk about how I just got confirmation that I am, in fact, the boy from... Social Services of the United States of America. Whoa, what kind of confirmation are you talking about? They spelled my name wrong on my card. <laughs> Wait but a minute. That's confirmation? Apparently, it is different. I am, a, apparently, I birthed from my mother. I was a boy. <laughs> wow. My birth certificate, it says so. Nice. Roland, how old are you? I am 18 years old, fresh and new.
0: Congratulations. And you are a fresh and new boy. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> oh so why is this important
1: (laughs) i have been struggling for so long to get all of this put together for example i started the name change process back in may i believe or march of 2020 so right when the pandemic started to hit i went to my social worker and the judge and i said i would like this thing can i have it please and i just received it
0: and what did your birth parents think about this
1: they were not happy they said that they were happy they were lying
0: why were they not happy
1: They are very Mexican, first things first. Um, They did not want to believe that I was a boy. They wanted to keep me a girl for whatever reason. So I'm still a little
0: confused because you have two older sisters and one is gay?
1: Yes, I believe she identifies as pansexual, at least she used to, but she's definitely laid with girls before. So
0: somewhere in the queer department. Yes, she'll find her way. (laughs) She'll find her way. But how is this different than how you feel?
1: I was not the favorite child. (laughs) I came out and I was a little bit more of a troublemaker. I put up a little bit more of a fight than she did. Plus, she just said, I want to kiss girls instead of, I want to kiss girls and kiss boys and be a boy. Uh, That is a little confusing, isn't it? Yes. When did you first figure out, I mean, you
0: probably knew that you wanted to be a boy before you knew who you wanted to kiss. Is this
1: correct? Yeah, actually. Thinking about it now... It took me so long to figure it out that I knew I wanted to be things and do things that a boy was doing when I was four, when I was five years old, when I was three years old. From my youngest memories, I remember thinking, I want to grow a beard. I want to play basketball and be a boy. I want to do all the things that the boys are doing. And my sister, one of her arguments was, well, you can do those things that boys are doing, but you just, you don't have to be a boy to do them. And I said, no, that's not the same. That's not scratching the itch that I so desperately need to be scratched. <laughs> I want to be a boy and do boy things. Simple. When
0: did this become something that really was driving you nuts?
1: I got to say eighth grade. Um, my buddy, who will not be named, he's no longer my buddy, but I got to say he did lead me to me discovering that transgender was the word that best defined me. He was basically my doorway to opening everything up about myself and it was really hard because eighth grade of course it's middle school and puberty and you're right before high school and like my friend was leaving everything was changing my sisters had been away from home for for a few years and it just hit like this is the last piece of the puzzle that is me and all this self-doubt and whatever all the depression that was just setting in uh it could be attributed to I just never knew what I needed to call myself, and now I know. And then it just turned into an issue of, okay, is the world going to accept me?
0: And at that point, when I first met you, I think you were in ninth grade. You had another name, which shall forever remain buried in history. (laughs) Yeah. And um, you were at the high school. How did the high school treat you?
1: The high school treated me Pretty damn well, I will say. Uh, They were very professional when it came to names and pronouns. I was never bullied by students, at least not in front of my face. And I never cared, really. Uh, The teachers knew they were very accepting. Uh, Your wife was super accepting. I walked up to her and she was very, very caring and loving. And the first day I got there, I went to every single one of my teachers at the end of the school day. Like, new freshmen just got there, and they were very, very happy to call me what I wanted. And I gave special instructions, like, please don't use this around my parents. If you're ever calling home for whatever reason, please use my birth name. And they got it immediately. Like, no questions asked. Roland, I think we need to take a musical break. You know what? I think you're right. So what are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to one of my absolute favorite songs from 6th through 10th grade, Big Sis by Sales.
0: I don't know. What do you think? Do you still like it?
1: I will like it until the day that I die.
0: <laughs> okay, let's get back to our interview. This is Pride Nation One Hundred and One, and we, of course, originally were thinking of calling it Queer Nation One Hundred and One. But uh, Queer Nation kind of refers to an old slur, and some of us have taken it on. In a prideful way, but overall, we want everybody to be feel prideful about who they are. Yes, of and obviously that means people on the LGBTQIA plus side of things, which brings the question of what Roland just said. My wife, what am I, some cis white dude, doing with this show?
1: Yeah, what are you doing, Chad Swimmer? Well, uh, wait one second here. Does everybody know the definition of cis here?
0: I don't know. Are we talking about my sister? No. You know what? I don't think we are talking about your sister. What are we talking about? I think we should ask Google. Hold on a second. Google, please define cisgender.
1: Cisgender, sometimes cissexual, or shortened to cis, describes a person whose gender identity is the same as their sex assigned at birth. The word cisgender is the antonym of transgender. There we go.
0: Thank you, Google. Oh, man. Well, should I do it right now?
1: I would say yes.
0: Should I come out on the radio?
1: Yes, please. If you're willing, if you feel safe.
0: (laughs) Oh Well, I'm on the radio, so yes. Some of you guys knew me a long, 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 long time ago in Mendocino County when I used to hang around the cookie company in Mendo and was dating the guy on the other side of the counter. And when I walked up and down the streets dating guys and when I got in fights with my previous best friends over the fact that I was queer. Wow, dump them. (laughs) I did dump them, actually, after one yelling match in front of the Mendocino Cafe that was really ugly. But I also realized at some point that um, queer is a big box, and I stood in one corner of it. And that one corner involved what, at the time, I called being bi bisexual. Yeah. And I also realized that I was an emotionally fragile person. So non-monogamy was not a very healthy thing for me. Right. And so when I ended up well, I said bye, now I realize that maybe pansexual or panqueer, to confuse people who aren't familiar with the panoply of terms that we use now. Of course. Might be a better way to describe myself as if a human needs to be defined. Wait, I think we need a definition here. Google, identify pansexuality.
3: Google definition. Pansexuality is the romantic, emotional, and or sexual attraction to people regardless of their gender. Like everyone else, pansexual people may be attracted to some people and not others, but the gender of the person does not matter. People of any gender identity can and do identify as pansexual.
0: Thank you, Google. Let's get back to our conversation. Because I am with a woman, and I love kids, and I have a kid, and I am monogamous, and I'm not the young spring chicken that I used to be, <laughs> I am um, a cisgendered white dude who is sitting here doing a show about queer issues.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: but also, this person I'm sitting with named Roland has lived in our house for a year and three quarters. And we both have spent an awful lot of time talking about what it means to be queer, what it means to be a person and what the heck do we mean by pronouns? So what, pronou- exactly. what pronouns do you prefer?
1: I use he, him. Uh, When I was in eighth grade and first discovering myself, I thought I could go by he, they, because I thought it would make it easier for people like my sisters who couldn't accept me as a boy. Maybe it could be a baby step. And then I realized, no, I don't like being called they, them. It just doesn't work for me. It's the same thing as being called she, her. It causes a little bit of gender dysphoria. And he, him, it makes me feel great. I hear it and it says, it's me that they are referring to. So it wasn't even a question after a while. I am he, him. How now about you, Chat Swimmer? I am he, him as well. Amazing.
0: Yeah, there's just no getting around it. And this has been one of the items of confusion for people who get to know me is, is that people have very, people who don't have a lot of queer friends all across the queer spectrum don't really understand that queer people, just like other people come in lots of shapes and colors and sizes. And I do remember at one point when I was, I think I was 17 and I was quite confused about my identity and and dealing with a lot of trauma and i ended up at a house of a bunch of older men older at that time meaning in their 20s <laughs> and they were all gay and they were all watching football and i had no idea what they were doing because i did not like football one bit and yeah. it just seemed so wrong that a gay man would like football
1: and <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> now one of my wife's best friends who is one of my great friends got married to a woman who is queer and loves football and it's the main thing she does with her very conservative family back in colorado so we come in all packages on that note we're going to take a short musical interlude with one of my favorite songs from when i was 17 and confused in santa barbara california time favorite bisexual hero
1: welcome back to pride nation 101 queer music stories opinions and lives from mendocino county and beyond
0: i want to go back to you you poor guy my poor
1: (laughs) poor life (laughs) putting you on the spot a little bit more
0: about high school so the high school was really supportive and actually went right when you entered the high school, and not because of you, but there was an in-service, because I worked at the high school, or all afternoon for all teachers, and it was talking about the difference between the gender identity spectrum and the sexual preference spectrum. Wow. That they have absolutely nothing to do with
1: each other. How did that go?
0: (laughs) It was amazing. It was really cool, because it's not something that most teachers had any idea about.
1: It seemed like it, yeah, honestly. I just keep picturing how did some people like the more gruff teachers uh, go about that and how did some of the more nice teachers like your wife for example how were they butting heads <laughs>
0: Most of them were. didn't talk about it we were right. we were listening to a really lovely queenie guy on stage who was <laughs> using powerpoints to tell people that you can identify as a he a she kind of a he, kind of a she, in the middle, you can identify as something else entirely and that has no bearing on who you are sexually attracted to and you could be born a girl and feel like a guy and be asexual. Wow, I bet that rocked a few people's worlds. Uh confused the heck out of a lot of people. <laughs> Nobody asked me though, so oh, okay. <laughs> thankfully. But I th- now I'm hearing you know things like I have a friend whose daughter who's in middle school says that she is, let's see, pansexual aromantic wow no wait no sorry i got that wrong pan romantic <laughs> asexual
1: all righty and
0: B-O-N- their pronouns are the they them or they let's see what is it
1: they them <laughs> they them they <laughs> they There.
0: anyway my friend was like very supportive of of their child and was very happy to hear about the asexual part of it because at least
1: uh at least she knows her kid isn't gonna go around having sex exactly <laughs> So, this is important. But the better part is that kid knows. That kid doesn't have to go to parties and let themselves get seduced by guys that they might think are cute. Or girls,
0: or non-binary people.
1: But they know that there can be a distinction. They can still fall in love with anybody, it sounds like.
0: Exactly.
1: Right. And that is what's really
0: great is is that their family is accepting. Yeah, that's amazing. It can be very difficult for people, even if they think they know even if they think they're accepting when it happens to them. When I came out to my mom, she said to me, and it's funny because I heard this from somebody else recently, the exact same words. This is that, this was, I think I was 18 or 19. She goes, Oh honey, I I totally support you. I just don't want your life to be any harder. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) and that was a long time ago. But so the, the thing now, and this is like, like, Skipping over to Obama, yes, we got Obama and we all thought that, well not we all thought, some people said, see we have a black president, we're in a right. post-racial America, which apparently we weren't, but for a long time, this is why I just came out on the radio, that I was in a situation where I didn't feel like the need to talk about it because we were in a post-queer America, right? Exactly. And then we got twenty fifteen and we got an extreme escalation of the the uh of hell. Hell <laughs> bigoted tensions. So and good. I felt very, very strongly motivated to come out again. Yeah. And to amazing. tell tell people, I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. There you go. <laughs> As they used to say during the act up days. Yes. Oh, great days. Yeah. <laughs> So the school was very supportive of you, but what about the student body? Did you feel, how did you feel?
1: Actually, I was prepared to be called names. I was prepared to be made fun of. I was prepared even to like get maybe pushed around some kind of physical stuff. But everybody was really, really kind and they, they tried their best. Of course, there were some people who slipped up. <laughs> they referred to me sometimes as she, they referred to me sometimes as they Sometimes I straight up forgot my name, my preferred name, that is. But all in all, they apologized and they were really nice about it and they were kind. And the people who did, you know, remember everything that they were supposed to remember, (laughs) which I don't blame them for forgetting, they did a great job. They did a great job of making me feel safe and making me feel like they didn't hate me for daring to be open about who I was. Um, I didn't feel like I had to hide at any point. Uh, there were some boys who were a little bit more kind of douchey, <laughs> frat boys, I thought like they had the personality of, I was a little bit more worried about them, but even even they were cool about it, which was immensely surprising, but I was very grateful for it, and I'm usually not grateful for my classmates. <laughs> I was very happy to hear. <laughs> Those that are the were best things I've
0: ever heard you say about Fort Bragg High School.
1: <laughs> right. I think Shocking. I might
0: have to when I publicize this show, when we publicize the show, we should we should tag them.
1: Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations for not being a dick to me. Redacted, <laughs> redacted. <laughs> <laughs> well there you know,
0: I worked in the Fort Bragg School school district for sixteen years and I remember when I worked with third graders sixteen years ago, the first year I worked, and I had a group of third grade boys and they were talking about one of the teachers. And one of them says, these were, looked like pretty normal third grade boys. And one says, well, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, she's got a girlfriend. And they're like, whoa. And everybody's going, whoa, she's got a girlfriend? And somebody else goes, no, I think she's got a wife. And then one of them said, but not that it's any kind of problem or anything. Okay, good. And I was like, oh, good. I don't have to step into this conversation and put my new job on the line amazing. It was pretty cool. So the, the, the school district is, I mean, we're in a very strange place where yes. we have a very right-wing contingent and a very progressive contingent. But generally, I, I felt like mostly the school district has been pretty accepting. But I still remember how incredibly happy you were last year when you said, I will never
1: have to go back. Oh my God, I was so excited. Wow, just the, the, the weight of the world was off of my shoulders for the first time in 13 years. It was great because I I've, I've went to preschool, kindergarten, until senior year. That was a lot of schooling.
0: All in Fort Bragg.
1: <laughs> yes, and most of those people that I graduated with have been there since preschool. It was kind of intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Watching them grow up and what, them watching me grow up, it's like, wow, <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> Guess what? I don't have to think about it anymore.
0: <laughs> well, you look, you look a lot different now.
1: I do. I have a little bit of chin scruff on my neck. Uh, Can you believe it? <laughs> I was
0: noticing that there's a beard coming on. This is pretty well, cool. A, a neck beard. <laughs> yeah. Really? But you've, uh, you look different in a lot of ways. If, from my outside perspective, I remember you walking around the, the high school trying to to blend in. And I don't mean to blend in with the football team. I mean, I'm sorry to say to blend in with the walls.
1: Oh, no, I thought you were so right. I was about to say that. I was about to interrupt you with, with the walls. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I. You were, you were trying to hide. I really was. And you didn't look too happy. And now you that look happy a lot of the time. And you look um, quite a bit different. And I'm wondering if you've seen people who maybe weren't friends of yours, but just were acquaintances, and do they recognize you?
1: You know, I've thought about it before. Um, for example, I have a couple coworkers who I recognized from school and all these people, they're I'd say both of them are like 1 year younger than me. And we get along so well. We're like totally buddy buddy. And I remember being in school, I was super super quiet and I would not interact with anybody, let alone these guys who were a little bit younger than me. And I'm thinking, do they have that image of me in the back of their mind of me just sitting with the hood in the back of the class, not saying a single word for an entire month that I was in that classroom? And it doesn't even occur to me to ask them about that because we're we're joking around and there's a meme going around. Like I share one brain cell with my friend. I think that applies to me and those people (laughs) because we get a little bit stupid around each other. (laughs) But we're we're good we're fine and one of them like a couple of these people i would have considered to be like the popular kids who thought they were a little bit too good for people who didn't want to speak to anybody who was on their level and that doesn't apply anymore because first of all i'm out of high school i don't really care about that anymore but they're really fun to be around they're funny and they're nice and they're cool and like our personalities kind of match a little bit more than i ever expected them to when i was still in class And I have some people that I've yet to meet that are still going to that school or went to that school that I think would totally recognize me. But they wouldn't recognize the person, just the face. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: (laughs) So I want to get into a kind of a hard subject and it's the divide between the gay male world and the rest of the world. Yes. And what I mean is, is that... When I first came out and I first started dating guys, I didn't know anybody who was trans. And I didn't really think about what we now consider this huge spectrum of what it means to be queer. And I knew a lot of older to very old gay men who were out and had been out for a long time. And one of them said to me something along the lines of, I didn't want to be gay. All I wanted was to get married to the person I love and have a white picket fence. And oh, wow. they did not like trans people and other people jumping on their what their, they thought of as the um, pride bandwagon. Well, <laughs> And I felt very uncomfortable with this because quite a few of my mom's friends when I was a kid were lesbians, and they had almost all been married to men and had kids, and then figured out in the 70s and 80s that that wasn't who they were. Well, good for them. Wow. And something told me that this idea that the, the gay world was a closed world was wrong. But why do you feel like, why do you think that it's hard for gay, it would be hard for the gay world to accept transgender people as uh, part of their world?
1: Well... Actually, I remember your wife telling me a little bit of a story where people would come out of the closet, transgender men would come out of the closet and start the transition, and a bunch of lesbians would say, "Why? Why would you ever want to do that? What you had it good. You were a woman. Like why would you want to become a man? They're like a man. They are they are men. <laughs> they suck. They're weird and they're gross and they smell and they attack women." And <laughs> <laughs> that's like the other half of it of outsiders watching men transition. But the other part of it is, well, I mean, I am a man. There's there's no question about it. And there's people who physically cannot go another day without letting themselves live in the closet or they will implode or they will commit suicide or they will attack other people or just take it out on anything. And it sucks because we need to open up our doors a little bit A little bit to let people in.
0: You know, I'm thinking of Mike Pence. Do you think he might be in that boat? You know what? I think
1: he definitely is in that boat. I think he's really trying not to be. Oh, poor guy. Guess what, Mike? You can't change who you are. I'm sorry, but you can't go to conversion therapy and Mm. expect yourself to change.
0: No, no. Oh, you know, I actually said something along the lines of that to you when you, not when you first moved in, but we were sitting here watching three six-year-old boys, five-year-old boys being really obnoxious. Oh, and I'm like, you really
1: want to be like them? <laughs> yes. And I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> I, could not, I think about those three-year-old boys. I could have never done that crap when I was younger. And it's part of the reason why I feel so drained today. Like I have so much little rowdy boy energy that I never got to release when I was six years old. So it's all just pent up and I need to figure out a way to get it out, which is a little bit why I act so immature to this day, because (laughs) at heart, I am just a stupid six-year-old boy. So
0: that's why we keep getting shipments of Nerf guns and things like that? Yes.
1: Uh, All those billions and billions of Legos that I have up in my room, of course.
0: Oh, wow. You know what, Roland? we actually have to wrap it up for today because we have an interview with Jennifer Sukne who was on the board of the Mendocino Pride Alliance. But Roland Cory Medina, thank you for bearing your
1: soul. Thank you so much for letting me bear my soul. I'm happy to do it anytime. And I'm excited to hear what Jennifer has to say.
0: Nice, me too. And thank you for recommending your songs. We are now going to go to some old-time
1: music for you. All right, I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, thank you.
2: Got a full tank of gas. With the top roll down. There's a chill in my bones. I don't want to be left alone. So baby, you can sleep while I drive. I packed my bag. In my pocket I carry my heart I got some money I saved Enough to get underway
3: Baby, you can
2: sleep while I drive You go through to some to Santa Fe, and Barbara in Nashville said we were welcome to stay. I'll buy you glasses in Texas, a hat from New Orleans. you been looking for that's not in your life. My intentions are true. Won't you take me with
0: you? That was Katie Lang and Melissa Etheridge, You Can Sleep, hopefully a song that has been a part of so many of our lives. We are honored to be speaking now with Jennifer Sukney a lifetime activist, first as a teenager in the anti-war movement, then for gay rights and marriage equality. She was a child protective services social worker for 28 years, first in Kern County, then in Mendocino County. She was also active in the Mendocino Pride Alliance. Jennifer has a bachelor's in music from the City College in New York and a master's in ethnomusicology from the University of Texas at Austin. I'm going to pass it over to Roland here.
1: First of all, it is very nice to meet you, Jennifer. My name is Roland Cory Medina. How are you doing today?
3: It's lovely meeting you. I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. My first question is, what are your pronouns? (laughs) What do you like to be referred to as? She and her. She and her. Excellent. I am he, him. Chad, how about you? I am he, him. So as Chad just mentioned, you are an advocate for gay marriage, and you've been doing that for quite a while, it sounds like.
0: You told, us, told me a very beautiful story about when you were married, and I'd love to hear this again, if you'd like to share it.
3: My ex and I were married three times. The first time was back in 1995, and it was by one of my old professors from the University of Texas, who was a female priest in a, the Thomasine Catholic Church that actually has women, ordains women as priests. And it's on their books somewhere. God only knows where, um, of course that wasn't official in any way. We got married the second time during in 2004, during the spring of love, San Francisco started issuing marriage licenses and Gavin Newsom, Newsom was allowing marriages to take place. We went down to pick up my son. Actually the first time we didn't, we went down On the 15th of February, they started on the 14th. And by the time we got to San Francisco, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we were told there was a line around three sides of the building and we would never get in that day. We should just go home. And so we tucked our tails between our legs and went and had Italian food in North Beach. Went home, managed to get through a few more days. And then on the 19th of February that year, we went down, picked my son up at school in Robert Park at about four in the morning, we got down to the city, we were in line. And we were the sixth couple in line that day, and we were able to go in and get married. Yeah. And that marriage was valid for a couple months. (laughs) until they decided that they were no longer valid. Shortly after that, they had taken pictures of a lot of the couples that got married that day, or during that time, rather. And they put them together in a presentation. And so we were invited down to participate in it. There was a book eventually made out of those pictures and other things. And while we were down there looking at it, we met two women who were a couple. One is Davina Kotolsky and the other is Molly McKay. And there's something about Molly that when she asks you something, you agree. And so she came over and she was asking where we were from and would we like to work with Marriage Equality California? And it was like, the only thing you could do was go, okay, because you can't say no to her. And so that started up with myself, my ex, and Jody Johnston, working up in Mendocino County with the Mendocino chapter of Marriage Equality California. And every Valentine's Day, we would go to the um, county office and ask for a marriage certificate, and they would turn us down because they couldn't do it. And the reason that we were fighting so hard for marriage equality, because I saw one of your other questions was what other, how does that all fit in with the LGBTQ? And I added two for two-spirit, IA. And it fits in this way. What a lot of people don't realize is that AT THAT TIME, THERE WERE 1,138 FEDERAL RIGHTS THAT COME WITH THE TERM MARRIAGE.
1: WOW. WHOA.
3: YEAH. AND THAT INCLUDES if, IF I GOT SICK AND HAD TO GO TO THE HOSPITAL, IF WE WEREN'T LEGALLY MARRIED, SHE WOULD NOT BE ABLE TO SAY WHAT HAPPENED OR SHOULD I GET TREATMENT OR SHOULD THEY TAKE ME OFF MACHINES. She ha- would have. She might not have been able to even have visited me in a hospital. And these are just really basic rights that people should have. A lot of people call it gay marriage, but it's not gay marriage. It's just marriage. Yeah. And that's why we call it marriage equality. Then they finally went ahead and approved it, and. We got married again and this time the people from the county office called and asked if we wanted to be the same couple or the first couple to get married because we had been coming every year asking for a marriage license and so we were the first ones in our county to get married
1: oh wow that's amazing
3: mm-hmm. and it lasted for a while and then we were so we've been so focused on working for it that we didn't really take care of the relationship and so we Ended up getting the divorce, getting a divorce, but we were not the first couple
0: to get divorced. <laughs> nice, yeah. I was a child of two divorces, and I remember as a in my 20s thinking, you know, gay marriage, what yes. marriage doesn't work anyway, what's the point? And later on, I had a partner who we were together for a while, but we were best friends for a long time, and I became his uh durable power of attorney, medical power of attorney, and realized later that a lot of that was tied, even though we'd never been married, it was tied to that struggle and the yeah. fact that it was even possible. And, you know, during the the early years of the AIDS epidemic, when men were dying in the hospital and couldn't see their partners at all because their families, yeah. the, the families had barred them and they couldn't make any decisions at all, realized the scope of how important this is
3: it is that should never happen to anybody
1: no oh, that sounds devastating
3: mm-hmm. it would be um but... and you had asked about what other kind of activism i've done in the queer community yeah and i by the way i use the word queer community because of my age and i'm really comfortable with it it's just all-inclusive mm-hmm. i we started working raising doing mm-hmm. fundraising we had Halloween parties here in Mendocino County to get money towards marriage equality. Um, We ended up working with PFLAG. We talked with the people from the Pride Alliance Network and actually I got on the board of Pride Alliance Network for a period of time and then got off of that and got back on a few years later. And it's been changed to Mendocino Pride Alliance at this point. And I was secretary of the board of that for several years. And I just recently got off the board.
0: So I actually wanted to hear you elaborate a little on this question about the word queer. As uh, Roland and I had spent quite a bit of time recently talking about it, that it seems to be expanding in its scope. I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
3: So the first time I heard queer used in terms of people was a joke back from. Okay, I'm 71. So back in the 50s, the 60s. And it was a joke about people riding on a bus in Greenwich Village, New York. Greenwich Village was where the old pre-hippies lived. They just were not like a lot of other people. And so this bus of tourists is going through the town and they're pointing down at the the, the beatniks, that was the term, at the beatniks going, look at queers, look at the queers. And the people on the street are looking up at the people on the bus going, look at the queers, look at the queers, because they were both different and they didn't understand each other. And so I don't see it as an insult as it's applied to us. I've been out since I officially came out at 42. I knew I was lesbian way before that. Um, Talked to my mom about it when I was 26. And she said, oh, it's such a hard life. And at that time it was. And did so want grandchildren. So I gave her a grandson. And um, yeah.
0: That's exactly what my mom said. Oh, I'll still love you, but I just don't want you to suffer anymore. It's such a hard life.
1: My mom just started to kick me out of the house.
3: <laughs> That's why you live now with people that love you unconditionally. Yeah. <laughs> See, well, we we
0: have a few conditions, but none of them have anything to do with with queerness. No. <laughs>
3: um, my friend Jody uses the word or created the word family. It's friends that become family because so many of us have had issues with our our birth families, so we form our own, and they take the place of that. Hmm.
0: Roland has a question that I actually didn't quite understand.
1: (laughs) I wrote it in my notes, very kind of bullet point-esque. So I am 18 years old. I am a part of Gen Z. And I see a lot of discourse when it comes to what, quote unquote, new age queers are doing. For example, there's a lot of debate about something called neo pronouns, like using pronouns that are not she or him or they. For example, there is an author out there who goes by A and air and M. And I met someone who identifies with it and its. That's just one example of the many, many wild and new things that Gen Z p- people are doing. And my question was do you think that there's anything when it comes to their decisions or their advantages that could possibly jeopardize everything that activists from? other decades have fought so hard for
3: you know i've never even thought about that in my mind the only thing that could jeopardize what we fought for and won is people that are haters and that don't want to see us having any rights and that are terrified that we might be just as more, just normal like them people looked for a long time at sexuality as being binary. You were either male or you were female. There was nothing else. But we look back in history and we know that there were people that lived as a different sex for hundreds of years, if not longer. It takes being on top of the language to keep up with it. Um, I've heard people use they and them. Z is another one I've heard. And it's, it's like a three-dimensional spectrum type of thing. But why, why would anybody want to put limits on who, how we can identify?
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: We are who we are. And if I don't know what somebody's pronouns are, I can either ask them or I can use their name. It's really simple.
1: Yeah, people, I think they make it out to be far, far harder than it actually is. Mm-hmm.
0: I see a lot of older people acting like it's some big imposition. It's, it seems selfish. Like, is it really that hard to take somebody's feelings into account? We were talking about how hard it is to be a young gay person, even in a time like now. And you know how much higher the suicide rates are for LGBTQIA and especially transgender people. And the pronoun issue is important in that way.
3: I totally can understand that because somebody using the wrong pronoun is not seeing who you are and they're not accepting who you are and they're trying to make you different. And that's not okay either.
1: Yes. Uh, I went to a, (laughs) I went to a mental hospital for a few days in February of 2020. There were two other transgender children there and, I was 16 at the time. This other person was 17. Let's call him James. And James, out of nowhere, says, I can't believe that there are he, him, lesbians. I think that's really cool. And that sparked the whole debate about how your gender is attached to your body, your gender is attached to your pronouns and your sexuality. Everything is all interconnecting. Everything is a part of another thing. And at one point, I kind of slammed my hands down on the table because one argument that was made was pronouns don't equal gender and gender doesn't equal pronouns. And I said, why would I have had to change my pronouns from she, her to he, him if they don't equal my gender? I got so infuriated at at the beginning of my transition whenever anybody would say she, mostly because it hurt me so bad to my core. It caused me physical (laughs) reactions. Sometimes my stomach would just feel like, it felt like I got gutted. Like my insides would twist and I would become so anxious. And nowadays, whenever someone says she, it doesn't even register in my mind. It goes through one ear out the other. It, that, that, that's not me that you're talking about. That's a different person.
3: <laughs> I totally understand.
1: We're getting low on
0: time. We'd love to talk to you more again, but I'm curious what you see as important future avenues for queer activism in Mendocino County and just in rural America in general.
3: Medicine County, when we first moved up here, we I went through books for women and other books to see what was gay friendly because we came from Bakersfield and Bakersfield at that time was not gay friendly and we were all out and we were loud and I'm going to have to think on that for a while. I don't have a, a quick act answer for you ways that we can just kind of normalize our lives so that we can be like other people ways that people get can develop an understanding of the value that we have in society you know they 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 reap the benefits of things that we do but without without having to give us credit for who we are and what we do
1: Mm -hmm. i think that's excellently put All right, I have just one more question. Um, Do you have any advice for, say, someone like me who wants to become an advocate but has no idea where to start?
3: There are... Are you in school at this point?
1: I'm taking one class for fun.
3: So the colleges usually have some kind of a gay-straight alliance or other queer-related group. So that would be one way to start. Groups like... Uh, Mendocino Pride Alliance encourage people your age to participate. Mendocino Pride Alliance used to do a lot of in-person, hands-on kind of. um, Whether it was we were the ones that threw the pride celebrations in um, Ukiah, and with COVID and not being able to gather, it's made it a lot more difficult. But just talking with other people.
0: So how would one get a hold of the Mendocino Pride Alliance?
3: There's a Facebook page and you can leave a message there. I I basically run the page, but the the president of Mendocino Pride Alliance is um, on that also.
0: Thank you for those recommendations. And Jennifer, can you recommend a song or a piece of music that has made you happy recently that we can go out with?
3: it's not a song but it's a piece of music and you can probably find it on youtube it's vivaldi's four seasons yeah and it's autumn and the people that did it are oh apollo's fire i saw them live last saturday down at the green music auditorium they are phenomenal i've heard people in um in jazz where they just kind of take off and go on their own. These people are just phenomenal. They're from Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Nice. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jennifer. And we hope to talk to to you again. Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really nice seeing you. Take care. You You too. too. And here we have Vivaldi's Four Seasons Autumn, performed by Apollo's Fire, with Olivier Brault on violin the Marriage Equality Medley Version. ¶¶ and these are the rights we should not take for granted. Filing joint income tax returns with the IRS and state taxing authorities, creating a family partnership under federal tax laws which allows you to divide business income among family members, inheriting a share of your spouse's estate, receiving an exemption from both estate taxes and gift taxes for all property you give or leave to your spouse, creating life estate trusts that are restricted to married couples, obtaining priority if your spouse needs a conservator, that is, someone to make financial or medical decisions on your spouse's behalf. Receiving Social Security, Medicare, and disability benefits for spouses. Receiving veterans and military benefits for spouses, such as those for education, medical care, or special loans. Receiving public assistance benefits. Obtaining insurance benefits through a spouse's employer. Taking family leave to care for your spouse during an illness. Receiving wages, workers' compensation, and retirement plan benefits for a deceased spouse. Taking bereavement leave if your spouse or one of your spouse's close relatives dies. Visiting your spouse in a hospital intensive care unit or during restricted visiting hours in other parts of a medical facility. Making medical decisions if your spouse becomes incapacitated and unable to express wishes for treatment. Consenting to after-death examinations and procedures making burial or other final arrangements, filing for step-parent or joint adoption, applying for joint foster care rights, receiving a share of marital property if you divorce, receiving spousal or child support, child custody and visitation if you divorce, living in neighborhoods zoned for families only Automatically renewing leases signed by your spouse, receiving family rates for health homeowners, auto and other types of insurance, receiving tuition discounts and permission to use school facilities, other consumer discounts and incentives offered only to married couples or families, suing a third person for wrongful death of your spouse or loss of consortium, suing a third. These are all benefits that we fought for. This is not gay marriage. This is marriage equality.
1: Next month, we're going to be talking about genderqueer. What is genderqueer? Well, it's a book that's making a lot of people really, really mad, Chad.
0: And I've heard it might be, unfortunately, responsible for some Republican legislators getting elected in some southern states. That is super unfortunate. But it is what it is. So I'm looking forward to talking about this book, which I haven't read yet, but I think you've read it.
1: I have, and it's a graphic novel, I should say. I really like the art that's one of the things that's making people really mad is the art depiction. Hmm. We are
0: also going to talk about the romantic side of marriage equality from a lot of romantic couples around the County and beyond.
1: You're not going to be one of them, are you? Uh, never know. Hopefully. (laughs) We're also going to be talking to somebody who performs gender affirming surgery. Dr. Carla Longchamp.
0: Nice. Uh, I am curious about what is gender-affirming
1: surgery? It's a surgery that is not cosmetic. That is something we definitely need to get out there first. It's something people get to affirm their gender, to feel comfortable in their bodies, and not want to crawl out of their skin every second of the day. (laughs) Sounds like you have a personal connection to this uh, situation. I do. We're going to find out all about it next month. We hope
0: you'll join us for all of this on the first Friday in January. That's January 7th at 7 p.m. on x Pride Nation 101. And we're going to end on a final note of acknowledgement of one of the great gay icons who just passed away on November 26th, Stephen Sondheim, age 91. A very impressive person he was. He came out as gay at the age of 40, and five years before his death, he married Jeffrey Romley. From West Side Story, here is Something's Coming, written by Stephen Sondheim.
4: Could be. Something do any day I will know right away Soon as it shows It'd make them cannonballing down through the sky Gleaming its eyes